What's up, fam? You have joined Conversations with Randy B, where we have real conversations about all things Black. Let's get it started. I came out with an article today called The Five Reasons to Tell If Your Diversity, Equity, and Inclusion Efforts Suck at Your Organization. Okay. Um, because I feel as if everybody's coming out and saying, oh my gosh, we're so concerned about equity, diversity, and inclusivity. It's what we want. We're, we're passionate about it. But then I'm having conversations with these people and I'm like, no, this is bullshit. You're really not dedicated to it. You really don't care, but so much. Um, and you know, I believe that people need to get real. And the reason why nothing ever changes is that everything is so performative. And don't get me wrong, that is not all of my clients. That is just a small part. And mm-hmm. I don't honestly feel it's my responsibility right now being in the field is just to call a thing a thing and really not allow, hold these organizations accountable, right? And to really talk about like, what 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 does it what does it mean or like what would you say are signs that your diversity program sucks and i'm gonna tell you my number one uh well i don't know if it was number one but Mm -hmm. one of my areas was there's no budget like so people say yeah we really are dedicated to it and then they hire somebody or no they request for somebody who has a full-time job but happens to be in a marginalized group, right? So they find someone who's gay or someone who's black and they're like, yeah, we'd like to start an affinity group and we want you to do A, B, C, and the third. Doesn't give them any money, but just basically says, yeah, you fix our inclusivity problem. And the person has a full-time job. Like, so they're not investing anything in it. And that has like really upset me or they're getting the same type of person with no experience they're paying them a small salary, but they're getting like somebody's executive assistant and say, oh, well, you're black. You can head our efforts. And I'm seeing things just like blow up because they have no freaking idea how yeah, to exactly. lead our facilitated discussion, right? So you get people of all different backgrounds, all different opinions, all different, you know, whatever. And you have this person who has no experience facilitating conversations, knows nothing about, you know, the EDI field. And people are just leaving angry, frustrated, wanting to quit. I mean, like, damn, their fights are breaking out. And I'm like, that's exactly. because you you got Sally, you know, over from the mail room or whomever. And you just thought that because they were a minority, they could do yeah, it. Exactly. And so again, and that's a money situation. Or what is the easiest thing to do? Not, not everyone is a trained facilitator of these conversations and you can't shake the hornet's nest and for somebody who doesn't know how to deal with, you know, anesthetizing those uh, hornets once they get riled up and having these conversations, you know, that you, you just can't do that. And you like, like you say, they always go to, well, here's the black guy. Let's have him talk about race or here's uh, the LGBT person. Let's talk, you know, We've all grown up in this white supremacist system. We've all grown up in this patriarchal system. So everybody is sort of immersed in all of those things. So just because you're black and you grew up in this country or just because you're LGBT and you grew up in this country, you're still gonna be uh, basically indoctrinated into the system of white supremacy. You're still gonna be indoctrinated into the system of uh, patriarchy. And unless you're trained to talk about those things, unless you're trained to uh, 
turn up the heat in the room, turn it down in the room, you know, all those facilitators. Learn how to gear uh, to, to uh, exactly. further, what was I going to say, like when things get off subject, get things back on subject and keep people calm. I mean, I've done, I don't know how many courses and I've never had people like go off, but you're having these people who, and, and then people who know the terminology. So mm -hmm. I think the worst situation has been the misuse of the word white privilege. And, you know, it has been like this thing that's been used as a, let me attack you, let me, you know, and it doesn't have to be that way. And people, it's something mm -hmm. that people can really become to an understanding if it were taught correctly. But you have people who know a little bit about it because they've heard a little bit and they kind of mess up the whole conversation. Mm -hmm. uh, this yep. week's episode of uh, Lovecraft Country. It was all about white privilege. <laughs> if you I'm, haven't watched I have the show, not seen that show. Oh, I you've got to see I it. I hear it's insane. Every single week, they deal with a different form of racism or a different form of classism, uh, and they're they're melding, you know, a black person's experience in 1940s, 1950s Jim Crow America with H.P. Lovecraft's horror stories, uh, and Basically, you know, without giving it away too much, the monsters and the the things that they encounter are all sort of stand-ins for a different form of racism each week. Uh, so they started off, the first episode was all about sundown towns. And each week it goes to some different form of racism, some different form of uh, classism. This week was all about white privilege. Oh, so, I, okay, I'm going to just have to... You would love show. that show. And I heard that you have to watch, like, each episode, like, three times i heard it's kind of deep and layered or what it, it does for this sort of horror fantasy genre what what uh get out did okay. you know you watch get out and each time you're like oh yeah okay so that symbolizes this or that symbolizes okay. Okay. lovecraft country you know you'll watch an episode and you think about it and you're like oh okay that's what that was about Okay, that note to self i gotta get on this i've been meeting no, you and then to. at night i forget because when i'm like have free and you know unfortunately i live in a house of all males and so mm. sports are back on so me having the tv i don't win at the tv <laughs> I, I, don't, okay. I, do not, I have no power um so i'm just gonna have to like excuse myself and go let me i'm gonna even write this down like it's a job love craft i'm gonna do that Lovecraft okay. country yeah. uh if you haven't watched that if you haven't watched um p valley which is actually really good Oh, I'm watching P Valley now. Like that has, I, 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 I love that I'm show. not good with TV. I, I'm not a great TV person, but I'm gonna get back on that. Yeah, good, good shows. And I then really, uh, honestly, we hunt together. We hunt together. Yeah, it's a British show. Uh, again, without giving away too much of it, there's a pair of detectives that are uh, trying to track down a pair of killers, uh, and both are hunting together. Uh, so how do, how the the killers come together is interesting and then how this the, the pair of detectives come together and both pairs have a black male and a white female so there's that dynamic too okay uh, and it's, it's a, pretty, it's a, it's, pretty it's, good. it's a series it's not a movie it's a series we okay, hunt together I need brand new stuff. let me tell you i had never watched a full series i'm talking about i don't think of any show ever until um covid uh, hit Really? And now, yeah, I, 
I don't think so. I mean, yeah, I'm not a great, I get distracted, and I'm sure as you notice about my personality. <laughs> no. Start out. Yeah, I mean, terribly. <laughs> and, you know, COVID has, I've watched some series and I like it. I like, I'm, I'm like, okay. I'm never going to ever be that person who, there's always something else I'd rather do. Uh, to mm. the food, but I am enjoying getting into these series. As much as I read and as much as I do other stuff, I love like good, good television or good movies. Now it can't be anything. Like, I watch documentaries all day, or I yeah. watch uh, you know like smart shows. But you <laughs> know like the typical network stuff. I don't think I watched a network series in probably like ten years or so. Network is dumb. But I actually like. Um, did you see the documentary Sit In? No, I haven't. So that's Harry Belafonte, evidently, um, Johnny Carson turned over the Tonight Show for one week to Harry Belafonte. Mm. And that week he had on like, you know, Martin Luther King, um, Wow, Kennedy. I mean, it was like this amazing lineup that he had on because, you know, he's a civil rights activist. He's just an activist, period. And so he changed what was just typically a for, uh funny silly format until where he was having a message and it was it's really good i just watched it yesterday so check it out i have to check that out i think he probably had like sydney portier on there and i mean he had all like the hard hitters it was pretty dope reminds me of like if somebody turned over one of those shows to like dave Chappelle or somebody the the different artists that he would have on and a different he they should you know what that's a night i don't know if he'd do it but they should yeah have, have those really creative people invite their friends because usually they hang out with like the most creative people in the world so oh that and that's what they said they said the reason why the shows were so good is that clearly these were his friends like most of the people like hung out and they were his friends and then they like showed some of the pictures and what was dope about it is that there'd be five four people on the stage and it'd be one white guy and it'd be like three brothers up there you know and like that didn't happen back in the day but that was not at all but you know the white guy was clearly comfortable like it was just like yeah this is how we roll and so it was it was it was good it shows you who's always been down right right <laughs> that's pretty cool Which is, i, I got to check that out the sit in oh, the sit in yeah i would watch that and it's 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 not long or anything but it's, it's pretty interesting and you know harry's like he's like the guy right he's he's mm. it He's it. So I, so I said the, uh, back to the diversity and inclusivity and equity program sucking. And I know you do the exact, you know, you do a lot of this uh, work too. What would you say is another sign that the program sucks? I would say if it's a one-off program, yes, we're going to check the box, have the diversity uh, meeting, and you know, we're going to do these workshops, a series of workshops. And then next year, we're going to do something different. <laughs> you know, th this work is ongoing because every single day, all we have to do is go to sleep. Next day, we're going to see another example of something that needs to be fixed or something that's not right. So one-offs, you know, I would also say if your diversity and inclusion program is run specifically by non-minorities, <laughs> so if the people who are in charge of the program are not minorities or not part of whatever groups that they're talking about I, that's a red flag to me and let me say this no, no you're right go yeah go ahead with that i want to yeah I'm well i would say i would say because a lot of the times you'll hear people talk about uh breaking down power structures and breaking down uh all, breaking up all different types of systems but then you look at their leadership <laughs> of whatever organization it is and then you know they're not practicing what they're preaching. So when I look at equity and diversity programs, 
that are run mainly by by white people and they may have a couple of uh minorities you know on a board or they may have a couple of minorities you know in positions but not the top positions you know the people who have the veto power the people who have the power to say you know yes or no to whatever then i worry about that because you know we're you know representation is important but representation isn't enough when you're trying to make meaningful change. You have to have people who have the power to say yes or no. I agree. Well, and also, um, I find that when people choose people to head diversity and um, initiatives, um, they choose a person that is the least, makes them the least uncomfortable. Exactly. Right? So they will choose a woman, a white woman, there's a lot of white, well, actually the people who make the most money and are the most successful in the DE&I field are white women. And yes, I know absolutely women have definitely had to fight. All women definitely make less um, than other, than, than white males. Um, it, it, I'm, all, I'm a woman, you know, not a white woman, but I'm a woman. So I definitely see the struggle, but I definitely feel as if they are oftentimes chosen because the people in power who are oftentimes white males feel more comfortable with a white woman, you know, someone that was like their mother, daughter, sister, wives, mm -hmm. than they do with a black male or a black female or a um, gay man or you know whatever i think that they mm. choose what's most comfortable because that's what we naturally do right it doesn't make them terrible people but i do wish that people would be more conscientious and say am i choosing what just makes me feel the most comfortable and so like starting that process of being uncomfortable and getting better um and making creating a more inclusive environment is from the start being willing to be uncomfortable and, and also think about it in terms of if you're going to cede power to someone, you're going to cede power to somebody who's adjacent to you. So the white males, you know, the next level in the hierarchy are the white females. Right. Uh, so white women. Uh, so th those programs, when white women are running them, you know, understand is that's who the white male who usually runs the program, usually runs the, the corporation or the company. That's who they, like you say, feels comfortable enough to hand over the keys to temporarily because they know they're going to keep the ship running because again, they're adjacent to that power. Right. Uh, unlike a black female or definitely not a black male. Well, you know, we're probably at the other end of that. Spectrum. Our complete other end. And, 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 and I wish people would just admit that not feel uncomfortable with the fact that, you know, when we have an affinity to people, we look out for them. I was like, let somebody walk in and they graduated from Tuskegee university or any HBCU. Exactly. Like, I'm going to be like, oh, my gosh. I mean, it would just be natural in me to feel a bond and want to hire that person or bring them along or mentor. And that is natural, right? Mm -hmm. um, but the problem is, is if I'm saying that I want to have a diverse staff then uh, um, and be equitable in my decisions and uh, make sure that everybody there feels included and there's not just, like, one person who feels off, I have to look if 96% of my staff is our Tuskegee graduates. Exactly. <laughs> unless, exactly. unless I'm saying comfortably, I want tall Tuskegee graduates, and that's what I'm doing here. And I honestly can respect people more so if they say, this is what our purpose is. You know, because there are groups who say, we're only hiring women. We're only hiring ex fellows mm -hmm. We're only, you know, whatever they're doing. Okay. But don't say you want to have an inclusive environment and, you know, 
not exactly. at least take the time to investigate who you are. So is there anything else I was trying, I, you know, that, that you could think of? Because I, I think people are really, you know, I think the one-off, you know, who you cho choose, how much money you give, and how much power, too. I think people don't give people any decision-making power or, or the power where they feel like they can speak up. Exactly. I, I used to work for a school system, and I won't name it, mm -hmm. but I used to work for a school system where we had a, a cultural competence council. But there were so many restrictions put on the Cultural Competence Council in terms of who we could actually report to, who we could actually talk to. So we would have these great conversations about what was going on in the school system and coming up with solutions to, to uh, address some of the, the issues that we were seeing that was happening in the classrooms. But we were restricted to being able to talk to A, the school board who has the power to actually uh, make these decisions. Also, the the superintendent. There was a there were a lot of go go betweens between us and the superintendent. So you had these people from all over the the district come together once a month, and we would talk about things that were really happening to students in classrooms in schools. We were talking about the achievement gap. We were talking about the uh, suspension gap where students were being. Uh, suspended at, uh, African American students and Hispanic students were being suspended at a higher rate than anyone else or getting discipline referrals. And we were coming up with like concrete solutions to do these things. Right. But it would all happen in that room. And then it would be like, okay, who do we report it to? And it all depended on whether or not the liaison between our council and the superintendent you know, if they spoke about it or went any, any farther than what happened in the, that group. So, yeah, no, we, no they, power. <laughs> no, po no power. It, 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 and I even wonder, and I'd love your thoughts on this. What do you think about, you know, a lot of companies have, you know, a DNI professional or, you know, they call them, you know, they have several creative names for these people who are supposed to ensure that, you know, it's everything's equitable and inclusive and and diverse, and that's their jobs, right? But then mm. they, I mean, I, I think that's so hard because you, your job, you mean we as an employee, you always want to make your boss happy, and typically your boss is someone who is not really dedicated to the success of these these. Uh, efforts and not because they're again not because they're bad people but it's not affecting them personally what they care about are things mm. like how many sales do we have and so those efforts affect them as far as how do they look the PR look of things um, but they don't care as far as like the pain and the you know they're not paying attention sometimes to the attrition I don't think they get how you know it affects them financially but it's not something that is is easy to show and so I find a lot of times those people are figureheads. And so I know for me, I've had a couple of companies come to me and say, would you take, you know, would you come on as a job here? And I've always said no, because I like the fact that I can come in and speak candidly because I don't, you know, by this time my contract is typically signed. If you want to get rid of me, you're still going to pay me anyway. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> you're going to pay me anyway. And I'm going to tell you like, yeah, I did a survey. 83% of your, you know, staff feels like they don't, 
belong here. And most of them feel like there's no promotional potential for people who look like them. And, you know, I can say your hiring practices are very, you know, one-sided and there's a whole lot of bias that I'm honestly seeing. And I think you guys need to focus on this and I can see things, say those things and not be worried. And mm -hmm. I, I don't think that, you know, you get that same thing when you are working for the head guy. And oftentimes they don't even work for the head guy. They work for HR. That's right. what you know, they're under HR. They get, they're, they're going back to that whole power thing. That reminds me of two things. One, I have this mentor who always reminded us when we were doing our work to understand that the system is never going to hire somebody to change the system. So that's mm. one thing. Systems are going to hire it. people that are just going to keep the trains moving. So mm -hmm. if you wanted to make a difference, uh, the person would always say, you know, you're going to have to kind of go rogue sometimes because you, you I love that. To I'm going to write that down. Of, you know, write that down. Oh, yeah. So the, the system is not going to hire someone to change the system. Uh, that's, that's, then, that's good. I, I know I would love to have a roundtable discussion about that with some heads of organizations, major companies. Mm -hmm. I would love to hear what they have to say about that. Yeah, because I mean, like you say, once you're getting paid, you know, your, your outlook, then your your focus shifts from the job that you're doing, and it's natural. It, it shifts from the job that you're doing to holding on to your livelihood. Well, well, that 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 is the problem. I mean, I think that we saw that very clearly. Um, you know, it, I always go back to the whole NFL and Kaepernick, and you saw these brothers where it's seventy three percent, you know, African American. If, if ever there was a time that we felt that we had some power, it would have been then. And how these brothers had, you know, they're trying to pay their bills, right? And you typically pay somebody else's bills. It was their livelihood. Mm -hmm. And the system was threatening them and saying, if you kneel, we're, you're not going to get a check. And so what were they supposed, you know, what, you know, people can argue what they should or should not have done. Right. Um, but it's just, people are so afraid to, to, to speak up. I mean, and if, if they wouldn't do it for something like that, where, like I said, I think there's more power than in most situations. And why would anybody expect them to ever do it? And you saw when one per two people did it, there's been a public hanging. Eric Reed doesn't have a job now. Exactly. Still still not back. Or you can go to f the other way mm -hmm. and look at the NBA, mm. which everybody is like, oh, the NBA, they, they wore the T-shirts. They had the, the, you know, the ceremonies before every game. But what the NBA did was actually kind of clever and more underhanded than what the NFL did when you really think about it. Because while the NBA was – allowing the t-shirts that they helped develop like what could go on the back of the shirts. Uh, you know, they were league uh, agreed, you know, the players had to agree to, I think it was like 26 different terms that they could put on the back of their jerseys. So the league is helping you choose what you can put on your jersey. Oh, so yeah. That's one thing. Your, your protest is actually being sponsored and they had the beautiful uh, pregame ceremonies. But at the same time, what the NBA did is hired Steve Nash. <laughs> now, think about it. Steve Nash got a job coaching an NBA team. He's uh, arguably a Hall of Fame player, one of the best players, supposed to be one of the best guys in the, in the league. You know, everybody likes him. 
But at the same time, what the NBA players were kneeling for was equity, and what they were dealing for was uh, power. So while they were wearing the T-shirts, while they were kneeling, the beautiful pregame ceremonies, the NBA hired Steve Nash as a head coach. Steve Nash has no coaching experience at any level. Meanwhile, That's a really good point. <laughs> you have African American coaches who have been coaching in the uh, in the developmental leagues. You have the Af- African American coaches that have been uh, coaching, being assistant coaches for years on benches. You've had some that have gone to the NBA and coaching the NBA, trying to hope that, you know, that's going to springboard them to a position in the NBA. Those guys were leapfrogged. The league allowed Steve Nash to be hired, and he could be the best guy in the world, and, you know, he could be a Hall of Fame player, but at the same time, what dues did he have to pay that some of these other guys are paying? Patrick Ewing, for example. Uh, ended up coaching, assistant coaching for a lot of years before he got the job at Georgetown. Uh, but he was not able to get a head coach job in the NBA. Now, here's a guy who played for the New York Knicks, Hall of Fame player, Olympic yep. player, top 50 in the history of the NBA. Couldn't get a head coaching job. Steve and that, and that is across the, that's across the board. Across when the you board. Look at the coaching systems. And that's what we mean. I mean, you know, when people say, and, and, and what's interesting to me is that when people try to explain it, and I'm, you know, I've been sitting on these calls, so it's, you know, in every kind of organization, they really feel as if they're doing a good job if the fact that they have some diversity and they don't even like seem to acknowledge and we should almost be thankful like well yeah but we have this and we have that and yeah. we should be thankful and they don't recognize like one you don't ever have people that are making the money in positions of power and you have people who are less qualified making more money with more power just who happen to be white and male and we have exactly. to look at that dynamic but you know that's what people don't want to see exactly you know, if, if you're talking about the diversity, but most of your diversity is at the receptionist desk or in the mail room or on the custodial staff, then then it's not real diversity. You know, oh, those absolutely. upper floors. Who, who's on those upper floors? Who's on, and almost in almost every every conversation I have, people want to tout the diversity that they have, and typically it is through, you know, below ma- management, right? Mm-hmm. And I, I was like, it's like you got to, and you know, and then they want to tout the one. They'll, you know, they'll have this one. And I'm like, okay, you know, that's, that's a pro- if, if you could name one, <laughs> that's a problem. Like, that, that's not good. Exactly. Stop congratulating that's like the, yourself. That's like the one black guy that's been to your house. <laughs> or if exactly. you can count on your fingers how many black people have been to your house or how many black friends you have. Okay, then you're not then. doing well. <laughs> you're not doing well. You're not doing well. <laughs> oh, yeah. So I think it's important, you know, to highlight those things so people know, like, you're not doing well if these are, if your diversity, equity, and inclusion program efforts are, have these, have these issues, have these, this is what it's built upon. And I think it's important that employees know so they can hold their organizations accountable. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, that, and that's ask what those I'm really, questions, be able to ask those questions in, in the interview process and understand that when you're interviewing for a job, you're being interviewed, but you're also interviewing the con- company because if you get the job, you're not going to be happy there if if you are the only one or, you know, you, you recognize, hey, you know, I'm the only person on this floor. You're not going to be happy. So interview the companies as well as being interviewed. 
That's a really good point. Um, I tell companies now, uh, well, I don't know if I've always told them, but I would say I tell half when I think to tell them, but I feel this for all. I'm always interviewing them. You know, and they'll always say to me, well, we've had you narrowed down to the final three candidates and we're looking, I'm like, yeah, I'm there. I'm, I'm think, talking to you to see if I want to work with you because I'm exactly. not interested in working with people where it is just trying to be performative, where they aren't serious about changing the culture. I'm not interested in it. I don't have the energy and blessedly I have the luxury at this point in my life to choose my clients, right? Mm -hmm. um, and so, yeah, I, that is really, you know, that's a good point to tell people like, and put the pressure back. What are your, what are your efforts? What are you doing? What do your numbers look like? I think that's important. And that will change the game. I do too. And, and you know, as we're interviewing and as we're going out, you know, basically selling ourselves to these places, you have to understand, you, you, you don't have these, you don't have a job until you get it. And, you know, if it doesn't work out at this one particular place, go somewhere else. Go somewhere but else. definitely don't put yourself in a box of, uh, because a place pays a certain amount or because it has a prestigious name or whatever to feel like you are obligated to you know join a place that, that's really not gonna be good for you in the long run your mental health your physical health all that's gonna suffer if you feel like you you don't belong in a place uh and the money is not worth it that's definitely the case well at least that, in, you know, that, that is the thing with with people you know who have you know uh, historically been marginalized is having that confidence um to know that i'm worthy i'm talented i'm skilled i'm i'm well um qual overqualified probably for this job and so if they are not supporting and pushing efforts that support who i am and that i will feel like i feel comfortable and valued and heard when i'm working there that i will take my talents someplace else and, exactly. and feeling that is something that i think that we have to work extra hard on but that you know what we should and, and that's what i have now at this stage in my career is I feel very confident in who I am and what I do and feel as if I produce results. So um, if, if you're looking for, you know, if you're not serious about making these changes, if you're not serious about creating a more inclusive environment, then hey, peace and best of luck to you. Because if you're looking exactly. for a puppet or something performative, I ain't your girl. No. And you know, it's no no hard feelings. No you know, hard feelings. I, I'm I'm just not the person for you. I'm not the person for you. It's, yeah. It's just not a no, not a love connection. So. Yeah, we need to pass that on. That that's good. That's you know, good. at the same time, you know, I'm of a certain age. I'm I'm 53, so it took me a while to get to a point to where I right. can say, you know, so for younger people, if if younger people are listening to this, you know. You're going to get to a point in your life where you're going to realize like your your own worth and it takes yeah. some because the world will beat you down to make you feel like you're worthless. Tell you, you uh, you're lucky to even have the opportunity exactly. to be interviewing with them. That's how they try to act to me. I don't try to always negotiate with my price, which I know they wouldn't do with other consultants. I'm like, no, this is the price. Negotiate your price or they, you know, what school did you go to? Oh, you got your master's in this. Or, yeah. Oh, you got your PhD. Well, what school did you get your PhD from? What school did it you get It has the same <laughs> letters that everybody else has. It doesn't matter. I don't, you know, that's the school that I went to. I went to the school of, I'm qualified, so, yeah. so pay, pay me. But know, know, know your worth. That, 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 that's a good message. A good message, but uh, to end on. And I, I don't, this was, this was good. This is good. I, I think we're going to keep pushing 
and moving the ball forward by giving people this information and something to uh, think about. Definitely. Definitely. Well, thank you, Greg, for your time thank again. You. See you in a couple of weeks. Our, our highlight, well, we are seeing each other, but talk to you in a couple of weeks. Okay. Thank See you, you later. Bye bye. Bye bye. Well, that's a wrap, fam, with this episode of Conversations with Randy B. We will chat with you next time. In the meantime, you can find me at randyb.net, randy underscore underscore b on Instagram, or randy b on Facebook. Catch up with you later. Take care until then.